0: You're listening to The Kindred 360 Podcast with your hosts, Pastor Rod Idle, Matt Smith, and Lindsey Terry. The Kindred 360 Podcast is an extension of Kindred Church in Midlithian, Virginia. At Kindred, we help people find their purpose. We believe that God designed us to be surrounded by others who love and care for us. We call this your tribe. We invite you to be part of our tribe today, so enjoy the fun, inspiration, and introspection, all in today's episode of Kindred 360. Now, Pastor Rod Idle. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's Pastor Rod. It's nice to have you sharing with us today. We're glad to be with you. This is our first ever inaugural Kindred 360. We're coming to you live from the Studio 77 in downtown Midlothian. Our producer, Mike Resendez, is over there sitting down. I don't know whether he's paying attention to us or playing video games, but he's with us as well, and I'm excited to be here. I got to tell you, I'm more than a little nervous. I mean it. I preach in front of people all day, but for some reason, I didn't even know what to wear today. I am so nervous. It's crazy. So I got to tell you, it's good to be with you. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you like it. I have with me today, uh, Matt Smith, our associate pastor of research and development. Yeah. And uh, I give him that title because in our whole church, nobody knows what he does. So it's nice to have him here. It's nice to have Matt here. Also with us is Lindsey Terry. Uh, She's our creative arts pastor, and she's spurring a lot of this on because we're trying to get more adept with social media and speaking the language of our culture out there. So Matt, Lindsey, nice to have you both here. Hey. Welcome to the Kindred (laughs) 360 podcast. What's up? It's nice to have you guys. I'm excited about it. I'm really pumped about this, I'll be honest, because I've been on sabbatical um, for the month of July, as many of you know. And I got like 378 texts from Mike Resendez um, about <laughs> everything going on here. I'm trying to talk to my dad. I get a text from Mike. My mom is talking to me about something. I get a text from Mike. And after a while, I was like, dude, I'm at my parents' He's really house. really excited about like, this
1: podcast. Leave
0: me alone. And he did. So anyway, I've been looking forward to this. But at the same time, got to be honest, a little, little tired, a little scared. Little afraid. The reason I'm tired is I couldn't go to sleep last night. All I thought about was today and how we're going to record this. How about you guys? Have (laughs) you slept great? Did you? I slept
2: great. I was fine.
0: Is that right?
1: I wasn't nervous till he's like playing the intro and okay go and oh man my palms are sweating now. Seriously,
0: I I've been nervous like for a week. Look, look, y'all know me. The the guys know this. I
2: told them this a couple days ago, but uh, uh, a good friend of mine suckered me into doing a Spartan race. So I am dying right now. I'm so sore right now. And so I have had no problem sleeping. It's been great. <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good. I wish, I wish I could say the same. I'll probably sleep like in the office this afternoon. Like, so, like always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the first thing I want to say is we are advertising looking for a new associate pastor. <laughs> at Kendrick. Um, hey, listen, uh, you know, I, talk, I just mentioned my sabbatical. And man, I tell you, what an enjoyable time. Man, yeah. we, we were blessed. By a family in church, let us use their house down at uh, uh, Nags Head Beach, and that was awesome. It's the first time I've ever been down there. Beautiful place, but I let me tell you the best place about the best thing about Nags Head when I was down there. You ready? Yeah. Duck donuts. Yeah, yeah I, need I kid to try you not. Some of these. Listen, listen. I cannot. I, I I have two words for you. If you've never tried duck donuts, I got two words for you: maple bacon. That does not it. sound good. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like, like maple. I don't like maple either. You don't taste it. It's you don't like maple. Well, then what's, what's the point of
1: maple bacon? It
0: just oh it's my the gosh, salty, you're so sweet hard. Thing. Come on. Anyway, Nowadays. if you, <laughs> you eat it, it, no thanks. I'm telling you, I don't even taste the maple. I kid you not. So it's it's incredible. Um, ate ate more than my share of those, and then um, you know, I got to preach down at Hickory, North Carolina, at Vintage City. That was cool. Um, went to my parents, got to see my mom and dad. You're Uh, you don't realize how important that is the older you get and you realize, gosh, I just haven't seen my parents enough. My parents are getting up there, played a little golf with my dad and, and Brad. Uh, Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, um, uh, spent some time in Williamsburg and that's cool. I mean, it's not always my thing, but that's cool. It was a lot of fun there. And, um, but the cool thing is I read a lot of books. I read six books over the break and, um, I just, I spent some time with God in conversation and prayer and just kind of enjoying his presence. And I felt like a real refreshing, you know, you always know when you come back from sabbatical, if it was a good sabbatical, if you're ready to get back to work. And man, I was, I was chomping at the bit, ready to get back to work. So, uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. I know while I was gone, Linz, you and the family took off. Where'd you, you guys yeah. went out to Colorado? We went to
1: Colorado with my husband, Josh, his whole side of the family. There was... 30 of us that went on this trip to Colorado wow, and we oh all goodness. stayed in one house.
0: Oh my word.
1: So it was kind of crazy. Um, little it was, single
0: wide trailer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was uh we spent the first half of the vacation in Denver with Josh's brother and our sister-in-law and nephew and did a bunch of cool stuff around Denver and that was really fun. And uh, then we all took a big old 15 passenger bus wow. up to uh, up the mountain and went and stayed just outside winter park.
2: And listen, it was beautiful. You gotta tell him the story about your nephew. Is that who it was who was who was talking about you driving when oh, you were up at man. the peak of that? Okay. The, so ahead.
1: so we went to Rocky Mountain National Park one right. day. Beautiful which is place. Gorgeous. Yep. And we decided to do I was telling everybody, listen, this is our only day doing something like this. Let's just let's just go all out and do the entire park and we'll just spend all day. So we were gone for twelve hours, which everybody was like dead after, but um, and we drove about nine or 10 of those hours. I drove about nine or 10 of those hours, Holy the moly. 15 passenger bus. And so if you're, if you've been to Rocky mountain national, like you go up a mountain that's almost 13,000 feet. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And so when you get to the top, it's like there's ridges. And so there's like death on one side of the mountain, you know, <laughs> So we're going up and it starts hailing and raining as we're going up in our giant bus. Good old Colorado. With, yeah. And so uh, my nephew who's four is sitting in his car seat behind me and he's looking out the window and he's seeing like just a total drop off on our side of the car. <laughs> and he's going, Aunt Lindsay, I hope we don't roll off the side of the mountain. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay, buddy. Driving the bus. It's okay, buddy. It's going to be fine. Like, don't worry. I'm being careful. And like every." I don't know. It felt like every two seconds, but it was probably like every minute. Aunt Lindsay, I'm really nervous. Like it's going to be okay. And finally my mother-in-law, I don't know if it was making her nervous, or what, but she goes, okay, Christian, I think that's enough. <laughs> so it was a really, really good trip. We had a Colorado spectacular. It, it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was so, cool. Yeah. It was a good trip.
0: You know, I, I loved Eli's cowboy boots.
1: Oh, Oh, we went to a, uh, my, my three-year-old, we, we, we went with our boys to a cowboy store, as they like to call it. It's just like a boot barn or something like that.
2: We got one here. You know what it's called?
1: <laughs> Myrna's Boots and Bits. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> well, it was that kind of store. And uh, so uh, like 14 of us went to the store. Right. And Eli, my three-year-old, found a pair of boots, and it was like the best day of his life. So he's walking around in these boots like, like a cowboy. He's got some sort of swagger. And uh, talking about, I'm a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. (laughs) And since we, Grandpa got him the boots, and since we've been home. He won't take them off. He has not taken them off. Like, every day he wants to wear his boots. Yeah, we got to, like, convince him at bedtime, you got to take off the boots, man.
0: (laughs) Didn't you say the first few nights you had to wait till he fell asleep? We had to wait till he fell asleep to take the boots off. off.
1: He loves those boots.
0: That's awesome. Seems like a a great time. I know that uh, Josh's family tries to do that every summer and you guys always go someplace neat. And that's really cool, man. There's nothing like Colorado. I love it. We lived out there a few years as of course Lindsay knows, but, uh, it was just a, it was just an awesome place to live and just spectacular. So did you get refreshed? Did you feel like, man, what a, what a great.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was nice to see our extended family and, you know, see our Family who lives in Denver that we don't get to see as often as we'd like, and our nephew. And um, it was a really good trip. Cool. It was really
0: good. Cool, cool, cool. Well, since I've been back, I don't know about you guys, but since I've been back, haven't done a whole lot. Every time I try to play golf, it rains. All right. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking to Matt about this movie, the Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. All right. And we were talking about, hey, let's do a man's movie day. We go out, <laughs> watch it, all that kind of stuff. Great. And that very night, I'm laying in bed, almost asleep, and Gay, she had her headsets in, so she talked kind of loud, not because she had her headsets in. She went, hey, Rod. I'm like, Pff. and she goes, I think we ought to go see Mission Impossible, and I was like, you know, well, I'll tell you what, I'll answer you at three in the morning, because I was asleep, and she woke me up. So, decided to take Gay, and we always go to a uh, a matinee, all right? But we went and saw Mission Impossible, what what was the title, Mission Impossible something? Fallout. Fallout, is yeah. that what it was? Well, we went and saw it. Have you seen it, Linz?
1: I went to go see it last night with uh, Mel, our producer's wife. Is it right? I called her. I'm like, we're gonna be I think we might be talking about it on the show. So I need to go see it while wow. you go with me. So we went late last night. You guys to went go last night. It. Matt, it when so did you good. see it?
2: I actually Oh, that's right. You haven't, you haven't seen it. I actually right. lied to you earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> and just not this one
0: <laughs> no. so linds what'd you think of it what'd you what did you I, like it
1: i loved it it was super stressful to me i love every mission impossible though
0: you love every movie
1: well yes but mission impossible we were we were like gripping our seats like yeah. white knuckle <gasps> oh my gosh so yeah. like the
0: what was your favorite scene um i
1: don't i well i think the most stressful scene was the helicopter scene at oh, the sure. end oh sure yeah um and
2: hey, you're listen, like, go, no, go ahead. When
1: Tom Cruise dies,
0: that was that was, a, yeah, that was a moment yeah. when he Thanks, fell saddest. off with Now on. You know, the yeah, yeah, the yeah, appreciate that.
1: The franchise is over,
0: so. <laughs> it's done, done. No, but and Tom listen, Cruise actually died because he does his own stunts. Listen,
2: yeah, that's what I was going to say. I read an article uh, or I saw a video where he actually does his own stunts and he encourages his co workers, yeah, uh, to do the same thing. And, uh, and it was just that one scene. Uh, they said he's put in over uh, 2,000 hours in a helicopter yeah. to be able to do that himself. I thought wow. that was insane. So you you sent that video to me. Did he fly me. the helicopter Yes, he's himself? flying yeah, he, the it. helicopter he flying. through that yeah. scene. That's yeah. terrifying. And that, yeah, isn't that insane? And so and, and it just was so cool. In the video, it showed... Uh, a bunch of the other—I uh,
1: did not know that. That's right. That's yeah, terrifying. The, uh, of
0: the other stunts that he's. Lindsay, dying. what that is is that's Matt trying to contribute to a discussion yeah, that he Liz, knows, he knows nothing about. That's like Tom
2: Cruise <laughs> is an actor.
0: Cliff, <laughs> <laughs> cliff notes. That's Cliff notes of a movie. <laughs> hey hey, hey baby. I saw a little bit. I want to hear more of these stories. Too. Yeah.
1: Okay, so he really flew yes, the helicopter. He really yeah, yeah.
0: He, I, I, Matt sent that to me as well, and I wrote back, "Yeah, but I've seen the movie, so this means nothing." But anyway. <laughs> Um, no, that was really good. It, there was a lot of greats. My favorite scene, you know, was honestly the bathroom fight. That was intense.
1: Yeah, that was. That yeah. was. Really man, and,
0: and the choreograph of that had to be, you know, talk about hours. I mean, yeah. golly, all of that. That that was pretty intense. Now, I will be honest. I as, uh, as I rate it among all the Mission Impossibles, it was probably my least favorite. But maybe it's because it's been done so many times. Like, I wasn't nervous on the scene at the end.
1: You know he's going to live.
0: You just give it away to all world. of our listeners, to our thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. <laughs> Come on, what are they going to guess? Like you said, maybe this is it.
1: Well, now you'll never know because I've Listen, said Listen, I'll things. spoil it. Uh-huh.
2: You can't fight Superman and live. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Every time I saw the trailer, I just, I'm like, I can't get this guy out of Superman. He's just so, uh, his name's, uh, Henry, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just, I'm like, man, you're going to lose Tom Cruise. You better run, dude.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at the end cause it was like, well, that's Tom Cruise. My wife was gay. I was nervous. Gay. My wife was nervous at the end scene. She's like, and I turned to her in the middle of the movie. I said, seriously, honey. That's Tom Cruise. They're not going to let him die. Or do they? (laughs) Anyway, um, good movie. Good movie. I I want to tell you, if you're out there, go out and see it. You'll enjoy it. Um, If you like action, if you like, you know, it's one of those fun movies that you go out, your heart rate gets up, gets down, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. It's a fun movie. I want to encourage you to go out and see it. Matt, you might want to try something like that. Go out and see it. just watching the little Cliff Note videos on Facebook.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, the invite, uh, Lindsay, Appreciate that. And well, Rod did invite me. The main wife wins just, yeah. every
0: time. <laughs> that's right. He's just yeah, a smart uh, man. I didn't realize you make it to this anniversary. Yeah. Where do you at? Thirty man. Just last week. Thanks for bringing it up. Thirty-five yeah. years. Yeah, 35 that's how you get there. You, years.
2: You blow off your buddies and you go to the movie with your wife. <laughs> Life advice, everybody. If you're listening, you're welcome.
0: But I'll go with. I'll go with you if you want to go see it. Okay. Don't ruin it. Don't yeah. tell me that. Oh, this is where there. he, and oh, you're not going to watch this. This is where that'll be funny. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> so, you know what? Since you couldn't really participate in that besides faking it um, in that conversation, do you got anything you yeah. kind of want to bring to the table here this yeah, morning? Yeah, listen,
2: every now and then we're going to be having a, a fun game for the podcast. And the, uh, game. the listeners at home can uh, play along as well. You guys know I'm a good old country southern boy. And so I thought we'd start out with a quiz I found online uh, about uh, common oh, Southern phrases. Oh boy, You're gonna we're lose. gonna see how great you do it. <laughs> I'm this. married okay. to a Southerner. You gotta yeah. remember, I've heard no, a lot of No, that's right. These. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's sure right. Know. Maybe I'm gonna lose. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got this quiz uh, offline, and so here we go. We're gonna we're gonna quiz you. And the first question is this. I'm gonna ask you the random phrase, and you tell me your answer, and we'll we'll see who gets the most. I scored ten out of twelve out of these. That's the benchmark. Okay, so let's see all how right. you do. Here we go. Question number one that dog won't hunt doesn't refer to a peace loving canine. What's it mean? It, Does it means mean
0: that it won't work.
2: Something's useless, a dog is sick and frail, or someone who stands up for what they believe in. Useless. Useless. All right, there you go. Next time, Lindsay, you got to go second.
1: I did go second.
2: Or you got to go first. Okay. <laughs> You're just piggybacking on your pops. It was useless. Answers right there. All right, sure, all right, okay. all right. Uh Question number two. On a road trip, your buddy points out that there's a why. There's a why in the three miles. What's the why? Ork
0: in the road.
1: Is there, hang on, is there, there a multiple choice? Yeah, there's this?
2: multiple choice. Quit oh, jumping sorry. ahead. So, <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm, sorry. The multiple choice question one should have included you in on that, but I guess, sorry.
1: <laughs> Maybe I am going to lose on this if he keeps jumping ahead. Says, I thought
0: this was like Jeopardy. Okay. what is what is the like hey, we, we could
2: go back and forth and we could just see overall who's got the most how about that you know just do it all right well good <laughs> you, you want to interrupt me on anything else i mean we no. can keep this rolling i mean I'd like i'm trying to, to
0: i'm trying to just do it <laughs> and again just contact kindredrvachurch. send your resume for associate pastor i'm gonna guess you're gonna answer fork in the road then right
1: well, what are my options? This
2: one's the stupidest one: fork in the road or Young Men's uh, Christian Association. Oh
1: my gosh! Yeah, that one's really dumb. Yeah.
2: All right. What's a buggy though? If you're not from the South, you, you might not know this one. Is it a cute insect? A horse and no. carriage? Is it a shopping cart? Or is it
0: Codinger? a shopping cart? Shopping cart. All right, y'all win. Good job.
1: We got a, a family member from Georgia. Mama's from Georgia.
2: Hey man, put the groceries in the buggy.
0: That always always. My mom, me up.
1: my favorite thing, Mom says is God bless a milk cow.
0: When we were first married, she'd always go, oh,
2: me. Oh, me. (laughs) Oh, me. All right. Your mom asked for for you to tell your brother to stop piddling around. What's that mean? Messing around. Wasting time, playing the banjo, or urinating outside. Wasting time.
1: Definitely urinating. Yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wasting time.
2: It's wasting time. Good job. You're already doing really good here. Have y'all ever heard of this one? Your friend described a child as knee-high to a grasshopper. you ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. They're short. I remember growing up. This is not a uh, hard quiz, uh, match. Okay, well, evidently y'all were more Southern than I thought. Uh, No, but I remember being told when I was growing up. You guys thought it was code language. um, No. no. Uh, That it was, uh, I remember (laughs) someone telling me, like, hey, man, like, uh, they said, Pat, your boy's getting so big. He must have manure in his boots. And I remember thinking, like, what the crap? I mean, I was like uh, seven at the time, and it was like...
1: You didn't even know you made a pun there.
2: Yeah. What the I cr- did. Yeah, no. I didn't. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Do y'all know what wampus means? Wonky. A lot of whack. Yep. There you go. These these suck. Let's move <laughs> on. Y'all are just too good. It's not even that great. So... <laughs> I'll, hey, how about this? I'll get to the one that uh, that threw me off. If uh, What does it mean uh, that... Um, What's it mean when it says uh, uh, the devil must be uh, wrestling his wife? The devil must be fighting his wife. This is one I would never heard of. The devil must Thunder?
1: be
0: fighting his wife. Do you have? Do, you do have we have multiple, choice, multiple on choice, on choice on this one? Yeah, hang on.
2: Let me let me get down to it um, here. Uh, chaos ensues when the devil is beating his wife. Chaos ensues. Someone is running their luck, or the sun shines through the rain.
0: I say it's chaos ensues.
1: I say the second one, the.
2: Someone's running, running their luck. I th- I felt the same thing. It actually means the sun shines through the rain.
1: What does that even mean?
2: I don't know. We're Southern. It doesn't have to make sense. We just say <laughs> dumb stuff all the time.
0: <laughs> i tell you, let me tell you something. We're going to close out this segment with this statement. Let me tell you when Brad was just a little, 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 he was less than knee high to a grasshopper. We were down in Georgia and I knew it was time to leave. Lindsay wasn't even born yet. And I knew it was time to leave when my mother-in-law said, Skeeter Britches, you get over <laughs> here. You want a passy? You want to get yourself a passy make yourself happy? And I said, Gay, it's time to head back north. <laughs> Skeeter Britches. Skeeter Britches. So that nickname, we threw out the window on the way home. That's, that's pretty good. But I dare you to call Brad Skeeter Britches. Hey, Skeeter Britches, get here, boy. <laughs> so... Yeah, Southerners have their language. Southerners have their what's your language. Favorite,
2: uh, what's your favorite one you've heard?
1: I like uh, just a piece down the road. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so. I like let's eat. <laughs> I, I like it when people say yon-to.
1: Yon-to. I'm
2: Get on over. Yeah, i say that
0: one. Get on over. I'm fixing to. All right. Fixin all time. right. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I appreciate that, you guys. I appreciate you, Matt. Uh, listen, this this podcast is not all just listening to us have a conversation and things like that. I. I'd like to take an opportunity here um, on Kindred 360 to just share a thought with you, uh, if I can. I know that you're all worried right now because my sermons are long, but I promise this won't be that long, Um, but today I want to talk to you about a topic that we don't often hear much discussion about, and that is ambition. Have you ever thought about ambition? Have you ever thought about your ambition? Ambition simply means it's a strong desire to do something, you know, but what it does is it requires your determination, it requires hard work, and sometimes it requires a lot of money to get an ambition fulfilled in our life. I want to talk to you about that because the truth is all of us at one time or another or even now, we either have ambitions or we had an ambition. When you're kids, you have ambitions, right? Right. I mean, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a fireman, you want to be a ballerina. You know, I wanted to, for me, my ambition when I was a kid was I wanted to play for the Cincinnati Reds. That was my, that was my dream, my goal. I worked hard at baseball. I really thought, man, this could be really cool, play for the big red machine and all that. But obviously I've never played for the Cincinnati Reds and that ambition, um, got out of my life. I don't still have this hope to play for the Cincinnati Reds. You outgrow certain ambitions, and you get other ones. The older you get, you have ambitions of graduating high school or going on to college or starting your own business or getting married and having a family or whatever. You have certain ambitions in life. When you when you make a decision for your career, a certain ambition that you're really going to do, you sell out for it. You go to college, you you, you, you do an internship, you you read books on the topic, you, you uh, determine to go up the corporate ladder or whatever it is to get to the place you want to be. And what I found with ambition is it absolutely drives us. Now, the second thing about ambition that I see is that it fuels and gives us determination. I mean, have you ever thought about having ambition for something? I love to play golf. I know that's a shock to you guys, but I, I absolutely love to play golf. And I have an ambition to be a good golfer. And so I may go to the driving range and hit buckets of balls. I, I may get on the putting green and putt and putt and putt because I truly believe the secret to a good golfer is being a good putter. And um, But I have enough ambition that it drives me and it gets me determined to play better golf. I can be standing before a shot that I have to hit over water to a small green with bunkers on the right and da 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 da, da. And it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. I'm pumped up to try it because I have the fuel and the determination to make it happen because I have an ambition to be a good golfer. But the opposite is true, too. If you lack ambition... Sometimes challenges in front of you can be a real drag. I'll give you a good example. I have a long day. I'm tired. I come home and I see the grass is up over my ankles and there's limbs to pick up and all that kind of stuff. And I know I have to mow my grass. I don't have the ambition to do it. I hate that. So, ambition gives us fuel. It's not only just a goal, but it gives us fuel to accomplish a challenge, to achieve a goal out there. I like ambition. I like the word. In fact, truthfully, ambition is encouraged. It's heralded. It's It's even admired in people. We believe it's a key to success. We believe it's a piece of the puzzle of our life. We believe it's part of a winning team. We encourage people. We encourage our kids to have ambition to learn something towards something which is good. Think about it. If a person wants to be a doctor, if they have the ambition to be a doctor, man, we we encourage that. But there's also times where we discourage ambition. If you know somebody that has the ambition to be the first 3,000-pound man, you might want to discourage that ambition, right? So there are certain things that we do. We encourage ambitions when it's towards something good, and then we discourage ambition when it's towards something bad. We just, well, let's try to stop that. Let's Let's hold back on that. But today I want to talk to you about that ambition can actually be bad even if it's after, even if you have an ambition after something good. We often think that the object of the ambition makes the ambition good or bad, but the truth is that's not the truth. What makes the ambition good or bad? Have you guys ever thought about that? You have ambitions in your life. What makes her good or bad? So, did you know that there are ambitions in our life they can even be after something good, but they're actually a bad ambition, and they we don't need to encourage them. A lot of people think that what makes an ambition good is the goal of what it's going to accomplish. But I don't believe that. I believe it's something different. You know in the New Testament, the book of Acts is all about the beginning of the church. It's the first century of the church. It's when the church first began. And many people don't know that the church exploded onto the scene. I mean, thousands of people were coming to at that time what they called the way, um, and to follow Christ. In the first, you know, couple decades of the church, it was just spreading like wildfire. And there's a scene in there in the eighth chapter of Acts where the apostles are going around and they're healing people. And they're laying hands on people, and these people are being overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, and just this amazing stuff was going on, all right? And you see just a few months later where um, uh, Saul becomes Paul. He stops persecuting the church, and the Bible says that the church was growing, and it was enjoying peace. I mean, we were coming into a really good time in that first century church, probably 20 or 30 years into its beginning, And so this amazing stuff was going on, and in the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, there's a story about a man named Simon. In fact, he was called Simon the Sorcerer, and Simon was there, and he was witnessing all this. Now, I want to let you know that even back then, the apostles had fans, all right? They had people following them around. They would walk around and teach, and they would walk around and heal people and all this kind of stuff, and they had fans just found They weren't necessarily... Followers of Jesus yet, but they sure were curious onlookers. And so they were following these guys, and Simon was probably one of those guys. And he witnessed Peter doing these amazing things. In the book of Acts, the 18th chapter, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was, giving, was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. You see, Simon in this passage wanted something good. He wanted the power of God. He saw this Holy Spirit power, and he's like, man, I want that. And he even said, so I can lay hands on people, and they can receive the Spirit. All of that is good, but Peter proclaimed it to be bad. Why? Because his heart wasn't right. It wasn't right with God. See, I think that some people want things that are good for their life, but I often see them struggle. And I think sometimes it's because they don't have a godly motivation. You see, we need to realize that every person has a God-given purpose in their life, God has something for them, in store for them. But instead, they're often out there trying to write their own story, trying to make their own map, trying to decide what they're going to do instead of participating in, what, in the story God has already written for their life. You see, he writes the story for our lives. So let me ask a question out there to your listeners, if you would think about this for a moment. What is the reason you do what you do? I read an antidote the other day that Donald Miller once told about the comedian Tom Arnold. And he wrote this. He said, I caught an interview with Tom Arnold regarding his book, How I Lost Five Pounds in Six Years. I think that's a great <laughs> title. I'm going to buy it. He said, the interviewer asked why he had written the book, and I was somewhat amazed at the honesty of Arnold's answer. The comedian stated that, the most, entertain, that most entertainers are in show business because they're broken people looking for affirmation. The reason I wrote this book, Tom Arnold said, is because I wanted something out there so that people would tell me they liked me. It's the reason behind almost everything I do. What I have seen in our life is that many people, most people, want other people to like them. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. We pay attention how we dress, how we comb our hair, what kind of car we drive, and yes even what we choose to do for a living, because we care what other people think about us. With that being said, what I've come to believe is that generally even good endeavors can become broken endeavors when we start depending upon others or the things that we do to satisfy our heart's desire. Our heart's desire is for love, it's for self-esteem, and it's for approval But these good endeavors can sometimes become broken because we're looking at those to satisfy us. And that's never the intention of our life. Seeking approval and personal satisfaction is not what Jesus condemns. But what Jesus condemns is seeking approval and satisfaction from the wrong things. I like what John Piper writes in his book, What Jesus Demands from the World. He says, even if we do not have a strong sense of merit, we may crave the same result, namely the praise of men. Jesus warns us not to give charity or pray or fast in order to be seen by others. Matthew 6 says, beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. You see, God said, even if we're trying to do the right things, if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, it's not a good ambition. That's because God looks past the activity and looks at our heart. I believe the first step of really finding fulfillment in our life is not finding the right job. It's not finding the right activity. It's not even finding the right person. The first step at finding fulfillment in our life is finding what pleases God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Follow God, seek his approval over the approval of others, and you'll find fulfillment. Now that sounds easy, but the truth is, it's anything but. I mean, think about it. You can have this great goal in your life, and it seems like God's laid this on your life. And God's put this out in front of you and you're determined, "Yep, that's what God wants me to do." You ever been there when you decided that God was calling you to ministry, both of you, you knew that's what God wanted me to do. Right. right, All right? And so when you go do that, then what happens? Well, people enter our lives. Friends and family and loved ones and then people in positions in your life, managers and, and pastors and other people, and I found that they can unintentionally get in the way of you seeking out God's will for your life. One of the greatest challenges I've seen as a senior pastor is pastors who start out with this clear vision of what God wants in their life and what God wants in their ministry. But after a while, they begin, that vision gets obscured and it gets uh, blurred out because they're allowing other people to come in and alter the vision they're allowing other people to come in and make it change directions or whatever, or even not look the same. I I call it that their vision is getting hijacked. And man, that's frustrating. You see somebody who has this call of God on their life and they are so excited about finally knowing their eternal purpose. You know, Man, this is what God's going to do. And then all of a sudden, other people come in and they start expressing their opinions. They start telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do and how it should look and how it shouldn't look. And and all this kind of stuff, and pretty soon it looks nothing like what God had called them to do, and they allow it to get hijacked. I have seen pastors allow their vision to get hijacked by their wives. I have seen women allow the vision of their life to get hijacked by their husbands, man. I tell you, I've seen husbands hold women down. I've seen them hold them back. I've seen them pigeonhole them and put them into a place of not what God wants in their life, but what I want out of your life, you know, and hold people back from accomplishing what God has called them to do. So just because you get a clear vision, it doesn't mean that now the road is easy. Just because you decide to allow your life to be pleasing to him, it doesn't mean that it's easy. You see, the moment you shift your priority from seeking God's approval and focus on man's approval... That's when you step further away from God's purpose in your life. The frustrating thing is when you do that, what you do might be filling, but it's not fulfilling. And I don't know about you, but I want to have a fulfilled life. You know, the older I get in my life, the more I realize the things that I used to value and I used to chase down just were not, they were filling, but they weren't fulfilling. And I look back on them, and I go, man, I worked awfully hard for that, and that didn't mean a whole lot. I didn't have a whole lot of um, value today. I'm 57 years old. I started ministry 35-plus years ago. And I started doing things in ministry that I thought were really, really important. I thought, man, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what makes a good pastor. This is what makes a good preacher or whatever And I started doing those things and it really, it accomplished some neat stuff, but honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of eternal value. There wasn't a whole lot of value that I feel today. I don't look back on it and go, man, am I glad I spent a lot of time on a lot of those things because while they were good, they weren't great. And I guess if if I could share anything with you out there, it'd be that God doesn't want just good things in your life. He wants great things for your life. I remember the story um, where the Jesus sent out the disciples and the and the apostles, the disciples to uh, go out into the land and preach and teach for a period of days and then come back. And when they came back to Jesus, the first thing they were amazed at is they said, Lord, they said, It was amazing. Even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. And Jesus said, Yeah, that's great. I think that's fantastic. And he but then he ended his conversation with them this way, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. I think what Jesus was telling his disciples at that time is that is really cool that all that stuff happened. But don't hang your hats on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think what he was telling them is this. I think he wants them to know earthly success doesn't last. When it comes it's a gift from God, but it's not the reward that lasts. I think if he if he was telling us something he would say don't fill up on the bread the main course is still coming. You know, don't eat too much of that. Yeah, I'm glad it's good. But man, that's just that's just the appetizers. The main course is coming. Often, when we try to write our own story, we seem to be pretty good and we seem to get some neat stuff done and it's pretty filling. But like I said, God says, I got a story for you and it's going to be fulfilling. Elizabeth Elliott once wrote, the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. As I get older and closer um, and closer to uh, maybe the end of ministry or whatever, I see that time is fleeting and I see the futility of efforts when I try to make a name for myself and I realize that the goals and dreams that I had for me were like a beautiful flower. It was there for a while, but it fades away. The, story, the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? Isaiah 40 says the grass withers and the flowers fade. But what the word of God stands forever. I read a quote one day. It was actually while I was on break and it was this by Anne Lamott, 100 years from now, all new people. And I thought, wow, that's humbling, right? I mean, that is a humbling, humbling thing to face that I can be putting together all this work, all this energy, all this effort, all this sacrifice, but a 100 years from now, all new people. But we as Christians have an opportunity to do something that lasts forever. We have an opportunity to accomplish something that's greater than anything we can imagine here on earth. You see, ambition is good, but it's only good when it's according to the will of God. Don't write your story, because your story will fade away. Write the one that lasts for eternity. Now let me ask you, are you allowing God to write your story? If not, can I encourage you? Give him back the pen. Let him write your story. Well, that's what I got, guys. What do you, what do you think of that? Do you have any thoughts on what I just shared there?
2: No, but, you know, I, I think you're hitting on something that personally, I mean, it, it hits me square between the eyes, and I think it hits everyone between the eyes. I mean, you have to ask yourself, I mean, how often throughout your day do you just go through and you're doing things and you're just doing them, right? Mm. But it's not until you really stop and say, why am I doing this? Mm. Uh, you know that I've been reading, uh, I just finally finished this book, I uh, Killed the Spider, and in it, he's talking about one of the spiders is is ambition and mm. false ambition. Mm. And he talked about uh, this story, the The author's name is Carlos Whitaker and his wife uh, threw these magnificent dinner parties. And, and he talks about how she's kind of had a... a uh, a more of a spiritual aptitude than he has. And has been a few steps ahead of him. And so that, uh, she's doing these dinner parties and, and he describes them as things where people would, would on, honestly almost get on a waiting list. Like we can only cater to 30 people and friends are saying, can I come this time? And right. it's this beautiful thing. And, uh, he kind of jokingly says like it would put Martha Stewart to shame and his wife comes to him one day. And after a, uh, a weekend of prayer and reflection, uh, during a social media fast, and she says, "Hey, Carlos, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore." And, and he says, "Why?" And he says, "I thought you loved them." And he says, "Why do you Why do you do these parties?" And she says, "Well, I used to think that I loved doing them because it brought me satisfaction and happiness, and I love to see people's smiles on their faces and things sure. like that." And and it sounded like this great answer. And she said, "But when I was praying and when I was reading this weekend, I realized it wasn't." It was a validation of me. Mm. I mean, so talk about something as simple as throwing a party and hospitality, which is a very biblical, uh, a very biblical thing. But anything, I mean, anything throughout my life, and so I don't know. It hits me there, uh, you know, just with this idea of what do I got to do? What what are my actions? What are my motivations?
1: Yeah, I I think something that's been hitting me recently, and this is just kind of affirming it is definitely like what's my motivation and is it out of duty to God or out of a heart that's intimately connected to him. Mm, right. And I think that there's a difference. I can do things for God, but it's not going to make an impact in the kingdom unless my heart is closely connected to his heart. So it can be good things that I'm doing and God honoring things and maybe even things that God has put on my plate to do. But if my heart isn't connected to him through it, it's not going to have a lasting impact on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something God's been kind of challenging me on recently is not even, I mean, maybe, yeah, some stuff out of selfish ambition, but out of, is it just out of a heart of, you know, well, I'm supposed to do this for God or is it out of, a you know, I'm crazy in love love, with God. That's a response. I
2: love, I love the, uh, I love the quote, uh, from John Ortberg or, or, Small group just went through this book, and uh, one of the best quotes that jumped out at me is: "You can go through the right door with the wrong motivation, yeah, and be displeasing good. to God, and you can go through the wrong door with the right motivation and be pleasing to
0: God." Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, no, uh, the Scriptures full of warnings and challenges that God looks upon our hearts. Yeah, you know, just I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but um, one of the books I read over sabbatical was a book by a guy named Scott Sauls. Scott is a pastor in Tennessee. Um, he used to be with Timothy Keller up in New York and, um, uh, he wrote a book called from weakness to strength, eight vulnerabilities that can bring out the best in your leadership. And that's where I got this idea and shared some of the thoughts from him. I certainly don't want you to think that, um, uh, that I'm taking credit for a lot of this, some of the thoughts that came from him in his book. And I'm probably going to share more from him if you enjoyed that, um, uh, I, I thought it was just a great book an easy read and it really pushed things to the forefront in my mind because the challenge, like we're talking is it's a, it's a review of the heart. You know, I mean, I can sit there and say I'm doing the right things, but if I'm doing them for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. So listen, we... We need, to, we need to move on, but I appreciate your comments and your thoughts, and uh, you can let us know, and that kind of leads me to Lindsay, you can let us know what thoughts or comments you have on that topic. You're out there listening yeah. to us, and you want to know. Yeah. Lindsay, tell them a little bit well, about some of the websites we have got, and um, things like that, emails.
1: Well, right now we've got this prayer app we've been using. If you get on the app store, whatever app store you use, and look up prayer.com, um, our ministry team has been using this, you can join it for free and the community that you'd look for is Kendra Church and uh hop on that community and it's just a great way that we can through the week there's kind of a running thread on there that you can add prayer requests, things that um I you love want people it. to partner in prayer it. for you. And it's cool you can I think you can turn off or on the notifications, but um you can get a text anytime someone posts something on there so you can pray right away. Right. Um you can also it's kind of cool you can also um I'm looking it up right now. Send a personal message to someone on there. So if it's more private or you just want to encourage that specific person, um, it's really neat. So that's a great way you can join our community. We can know how to pray for you. Um, and you, you guys can be praying for us. And I think it's just a good way to keep the church connected
0: during the week. Um, and do we have a website for this podcast too. Well, that, we have
1: an email for this podcast. Or an podcast. email. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm sorry. And um this the email is kindred three sixty podcast at gmail.com. Um and the three sixty is just three six zero. Don't spell it out. Um, but uh would <laughs> be a really long email. But that's a great way too. Um if you want us to pray for something, um, you can send it that way. If you have a or if questions, you have a question, yeah, right, if you've yeah. got questions about the message or um just some thoughts or input or or you know can you expound upon this or whatever? Uh, that's a great place to email yeah. us and we might be able to get that on the air.
0: So, Okay, Matt, listen, what's going on in Kindred this week? Listen,
2: we've got uh, this uh, podcast, this particular one is airing uh, this Friday and that evening we have a movie night for our oh, young that's family. That's right,
0: I forgot about that.
2: So uh, if you want to uh, join us, that would be great. Uh, all the information, you can find it on our website. Uh, also, I'll what get, is our website uh, is kindred uh, kindredrva.church. Okay. If you're not from the area, it stands for Richmond, Virginia, kindred Uh Go there you get uh, more information. Hey, another thing that uh, I'm really excited to tell you guys about that uh, we've just recently worked out is that we're going to be participating with the miracle league of Richmond. And if you're not familiar with them, uh, it's a special needs baseball league and it's awesome. It's for people who've got disabilities And it's a great way for them to come uh, to the ball field and play a game. And it's so funny because uh, there there are a lot of things that we take for granted, uh, opportunities to get plugged in and participate. And for uh, some of our community, that isn't a regular thing. And so uh, this is a great opportunity for them to come out, and they ask for volunteers to come. And so there might be some people who need help running the bases. I've done this, and it's so much fun. You know, you're helping uh, a little girl, Uh, you know, you're helping wheelchair her down to first base or somebody else. You're helping them throw out the first pitch. And let me tell you, there's so much joy there. It's a really great time. If you want to have a fantastic Saturday, I do a lot of things with my Saturdays. I have never once regretted a day of doing that. And So that's coming up on September 8th. It's the inaugural day. We're going to stay and we're going to provide a meal for those families and just love them and encourage them. And so if you're interested in that, you can look it up. Just kind of Google uh, the Miracle League of Richmond. Matt, you didn't say friend. what
0: movie we were watching this Friday night.
2: Hey, we're gonna go see Cars Three. Okay, which is my favorite one out of all three. I just want to throw that out there. All right, this one's so good. It but, is good. Yeah, you'll, I you'll see. Be my favorite too. Like Mission
0: Impossible for you. I've not seen Cars Three. That
2: shows about my level
0: of intensity. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. Listen, I want to tell you this is just—it's uh, been an experience. It's been a good experience, I think. I hope uh, you out there enjoy it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep trying this. We're gonna ke- keep making tweaks and changes, whatever we feel like we need to make. Um, the only thing we don't want to change our audience. We hope that you guys stay with us and uh, uh, enjoy um, some time together. Um, know this: that Kindred Church is uh, located on Midlothian uh, Boulevard, right across from Johnson Willis and Hospital. Yeah, you didn't let me finish. Boulevard, sometimes (laughs) called Turnpike, uh, right across from Johnson Willis Hospital. Our services are Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And and we'd love to have you. And uh, I hope that you'll come out and give us a shot. Listen, um, we just want you to find your people, your tribe, and to find your purpose with God. We want to help people encounter Jesus because that's where life changes. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Kindred
2: 360. You've been listening to the Kindred 360 podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to check out our
0: additional podcast, Extra 360. And be sure to subscribe to the Kindred 360 podcast to stay up to date with our most current episodes. We want to thank you for listening today and have a blessed week ahead.